I'd like you to meet Sherry. I don't know her last name. I don't know where she stays at night. All I know is that on sunny mornings, I am guaranteed to see this middle-aged West Indian woman sitting on the corner outside the bank on my way to work. Sometimes I give her change, not always, but I always stop and say hello. She's always sitting there with her cup and listening to her little red radio. Coming to know Sherry, and really I can't say that I know her, but since I first saw her, I've been made more and more aware of how easy it is to ignore poverty around us. And I can't stop thinking about Pope Francis' statement that he wants not just a church for the poor, but also a poor church. Why must the church be poor? Why must I be poor? Perhaps it's because when we stand in the presence of God, we are all but poor beggars. Maybe that's why Jesus said that there will always be poor among us. Maybe we need poor among us to remind us of who we really are before God. I don't think anyone is saying, however, that we must go and sell everything and literally be poor. But perhaps we should think, seriously think, what it means to be poor. Do I need three TVs? Do I need 25 pairs of shoes? Do I really need that cafe latte every morning? What can I get rid of in my life that prevents me from depending on God? Because that's why riches are a problem, not in themselves, but because if we have it all, it's harder to depend on God. The poor will always be with us. Maybe that's a good thing. And I thank Sherry for reminding me this. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we continue with our usual show format. Emily Callan will be here with our news. And afterwards, Jillian Cantor is back to tell us what she learned from her kids this month. After that, on Connect 5, Sebastian Gomes speaks with Chris Wallace of Fox News, who speaks about Fox's reputation and offers some advice for news consumers. In our second half hour, we're happy to welcome David Nalieri, a former Salt and Light producer and colleague of mine. David has just finished a new documentary on Our Lady of Guadalupe, Guadalupe, The Miracle and the Message, and he's going to tell us all about it. That's in our second half hour. And after that, we'll be reconnecting with singer-songwriter Matthias Michael, who has a new album, Amplified. Let's begin with a song from this album. Here's Amplified from Matthias Michael's new album of the same name. Oh, my friends, we are called All for one and one for all To mend a broken streets To serve friends don't back down 
they can be found. May the hundred voices hear, reach a thousand listening ears. That was Matthias Michael with the title track of his new album, Amplified. And we're going to be speaking with Matthias Michael in our second half hour and in about 10 minutes, What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. But first, Emily is here with our news. Emily, good good to have you back on this program. It's been a while. <laughs> I know it has been. I hope that we're going to be able to have more of you because, uh, because we like having you. Um, before I ask you about news... Mm-hmm the one big news item this week, you were at the World Meeting of Families. Yes. And we, you know, it's like the World Meeting of Families happened and the next thing you know, and that's some, some of that got kind of clouded with the, the visit to the U.S. Yes. And then next thing you know, we're going off to the, the Synod. Synod. So nobody got to talk about the World Meeting of Families. So first time that you went to a World Meeting of Families, first time that you're in an event like that with, a, with the Pope. Yeah. Tell me, what was it like? Um, well, first of all, it was really an incredible experience just to be in the middle of it all because there was just so much happening around it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the, like you said, the World Meeting of Families was this central kind of event, um, you know, in, in between the post visit to the U S yes. and then the sit on the family. Yeah. Um, but, but what was very unique about the, the world meeting of families was that you had 
you were just in the middle of it all right. with with the people and mm-hmm. um and the the great thing about it was that i just got to to speak to them during right. the week yeah so um, yeah so so tell me about that so what were you doing what was your day like a regular day for you a regular day it was early rising <laughs> <laughs> and uh late bedtimes <laughs> yes yes but um no, I guess a day it was very full. We normally just started out uh, going to the activities that the families were mm-hmm. were joining in and participating in uh, during the week because they had every day these um, these activities that family could do mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. in order to to really practice the the theme of the week: love right. is our mission, family fully alive. And right. so, how can how can we do that as family? In what ways can we really come together and right. become alive? And so. One of the activities, one of the first things that we uh, that we went to was a um, a meal packing event. Mm-hmm. So it was called Helping Hands, and so this was organized by the Catholic Relief Services with Stop Hungry Now. So Catholic Relief Services is actually one of the or the largest Catholic yes um, organization in, in in the United yeah, States. Yeah, so this the um, United States and Canada, the equivalent is development, development and peace. And peace. Catholic yes, organization for exactly. Peace. Yeah, but that's yeah. Yeah, and so their cool. goal was to pack thirty thousand meals every day. Wow. Um, or even yeah, even even more than that. I think every day, and uh, and they had they had a timer on. So any time that thirty thousand meals were oh, really? were packed, it was, it was a bell ding. a bell rang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so for for families, I mean, for them, it was an incredible experience to be able to do that and. Um, one of the one of the speakers at the beginning of the event for the for the opening, Thomas yeah. Ayapo, uh-huh. who's who was um, originally from from Ghana, mm-hmm. and he he shared his story on how he dealt with hunger as a young right. kid and how it prevented him from concentrating in school and mm-hmm. and even made him not want to go to school. Right. Uh, but that Catholic Relief Services were came to Ghana and um, brought brought snacks and and meals for his family and for yeah. his friends and yeah. so that kind of that little snack he says uh-huh. is what kept him going nice. and 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 kept him persevering and so he says now today like i have i went to school i got a degree like i have a job and now i'm able to feed my family right. so he says sometimes that little act of kindness yeah. can can be the the yeah. turning interesting. point for a lot interesting of people. and you don't think i mean you're thinking that it's issues that families are going through but in north america we're not thinking I mean, I guess some people are hungry, but we're not thinking that hunger is an issue that families are going through, but it is an issue it for is. a lot of families yeah. around the world. Yes. Now, as a journalist, mm-hmm. what do you think, again, because I think the whole world media family is kind of like we've forgotten about it already. What do you think is the, the, the long lasting impact of that event? I think that one of the one of the key phrases that I heard that mm-hmm. week um, was the the need to be passionate hmm. about families and it is something i think the pope has really stressed and and that that this that that week that they lived through um was really that to to give um people and to give families a desire so so to ha- to for families to also be passionate right. about other families Absolutely. um and about about their vocation about their mission and to not to open the doors to be to be welcoming to those uh-huh. who are in need to those families who might not um have yeah. everything together uh-huh. uh, and uh, yeah so Good. I think that's probably the, the yeah. key the, and the something key that phrase. I think families forget because we get so busy in family life um good thank you thank you I've been meaning to ask you that for for a month now um mm-hmm. News this week, there was a big, another leak, fatty leaks. 
Tell yeah. me about that. I know, kind of incredible. Now people are calling it the second Vati Leaks yeah, affair, and uh, yeah. but yeah. But Father Federico Lombardi, who is the um, the Vatican spokesperson, exactly. Yeah, so he secretary. he came out with a statement uh, yesterday, saying that this that we shouldn't pay so much attention that we're paying too much attention to mm-hmm. to the the scandals that are coming from right. these um, these leaked these documents. Leaks, yes. um, that really the the main the main issue is really the fact that this was something that was done illegally, uh-huh. and and also secondly these um, these documents were part of a of a bigger study that the pope actually initiated mm-hmm. um for the reform uh of the right. administration yes. of uh, the holy see okay can you give a little bit, bit of background for people who are here for the first time so exactly what was leaked and by who do we know Yes. So there was actually, it was a laywoman, a, a lawyer and, mm-hmm. uh, and a prelate who were arrested last weekend. They, these two were, were arrested for having stolen uh, these, these financial right. confidential documents. documents. Yeah. And, um, and so the, the lawyer was, was then released um, from, from custody because she decided to cooperate um, okay. with the investigators. And, but these, but these documents were still in the hands of journalists and um, there were, books that were to be published actually today okay and um and so that's so at the same time um that's when the statement uh, uh-huh. from federico uh, exactly. from father lombardi came out and good yeah, yeah. and uh, sadly we'll probably be hearing lots more about <laughs> these kinds of stories but as father lombardi says and as, as emily has wisely said also um really <laughs> we, there are more more things more important things to worry about um but th- as you said a crime was committed and it's newsworthy thank you Good Thank to you, have you in the show. Pedro. Emily Kalan. You can watch her and, in fact, all our Perspectives team in English, French, Italian, and Chinese. Emily doesn't do Italian and Chinese, just French and English. Uh, to get the latest updates on Perspectives Daily on Salt and Light TV, online at saltandlighttv.org and also now on Roku. Hi, I'm Mark Mallet, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with your great host, Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. Just look for Salt and Light TV. And you can also find me on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. New season. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm excited to be back. Thanks for not... uh not ditching that I'm not <laughs> over the summer. <laughs> that I'm not learning good enough lessons. And oh, I'm sure you learned a lot of good <laughs> lessons are learned in the summer. Yes, yeah. Um, there are many lessons. I didn't keep track of them all. I have no. To be so <laughs> so what, this what, one is recent. <laughs> okay, so what did you learn from your kids this week, mm. that recent? Well, the last couple of weeks, anyway. Yes. Um, so I'll start off by saying that it's been so long since I've talked to you that I've added another kid to <gasps> my list. Good news. So, yeah, so we're expecting baby number five. Yes. April. So I'll have more lessons to be learned from yet another child. So yes. this series could keep going for a very long time, I think. But um, that's not what I learned about. <laughs> that's not <laughs> what you learned? That's not our lesson for today. <laughs> the lesson... Um, that's the good news for today. That's the good news for today. Uh, the lesson that we have learned most recently is God is with us, and I know that's not a new or groundbreaking revelation, uh-huh. but sometimes it's the way in which we are reintroduced to that message that makes it surprisingly clear and 
and helps you keep it at the top of your mind. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that you can just, in the day-to-day, easily forget, um, but it was brought to the forefront very quickly one day. Um, We had been invited to a birthday party um, in Toronto, which is about an hour's drive for us, and it was an outdoor party, so we had gotten the kids all ready, all bundled up in their winter coats and gifts ready and attitudes ready, good manners ready, out the door, bundled up in the car, and off we go. And uh, not very far into our drive, we were involved in a minor car accident. Oh, yeah. Minor, but still a car accident. And very shocking for for all of us, um, especially the little people in the vehicle who had no idea what was happening or what was about to take place. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, and not only is God with us, but Annie is with us. Oh, Annie's she awake. joined me here. Hi, Annie. Um, anyway, so we were driving along the highway, and we had to stop suddenly, and we stopped suddenly, but the very humongous SUV behind us could not stop suddenly, and mm-hmm. so they ended up hitting the back end of our van, and... We were all fine, except I think I made the problem worse by turning around and almost yelling at my children, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay? So that's when tears started, and I think the realization of what was happening had had Mm -hmm. hit us. Um, So because of the size of the vehicle that had hit us, we we weren't able to drive it, Um, so we had to wait for a tow truck, but we had with six people, we can't all fit in the tow truck, so there's also a police car there. Yes. So the boys and I get into the back of the police car. She's going to take us to the collision center. And as we're sitting in the back of the police car, which I thought would be fun for Joseph and Henry. I thought the boys would enjoy it. Uh, They didn't. (laughs) I think they were just too nervous. And there was also this fear of people seeing them in a police car. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm I'm not sure what they... (laughs) What sort of crime spree these grade two and kindergarten kid had been on. But anyway... Um, so I'm sitting back there and I look at Joseph and you can just see it in his eyes. He's clutching the birthday present that we were supposed to be taking to this party. And he just looks so, so sad. And I said to him, Joseph, what's wrong? And he didn't, he just shrugged his shoulders. Like he couldn't express it. I said, are you sad because of what happened to the van? Or are you sad because we're not going to be able to get to the party? And again, he just shrugged his shoulders and the tears just started coming down his face. And I said, Joseph, we're okay. We're okay. God is with us. And then when those words came out of my mouth, it even surprised me how confident and assured they they were, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be. Like, I'm, I'm a grown person who, living my faith as best as I can, I know God is with us every day. But when those words came out of my mouth, it was almost like I was hearing somebody else say them to me, someone uh-huh. who is way more experienced and advanced in their faith life and and. And so Joseph, that, those words made him cry even more. And I don't think he had ever thought beyond the that our, um, the prayers we say in the van when we start out on any trip. I think he just thought they were a way to pass time. Mm-hmm. But for him to make that connection, to hear me say God is with us, and to know that those prayers we say for a reason, I think surprised him and maybe even scared him a little. I think the potential of what could have happened was starting to sink in for him. He's almost seven, and so he has a yeah. better understanding of yes, of just life and things that can happen in life. So he was upset, but I think all of us were just relieved um, that obviously <clears throat> car collisions can be quite terrible and dreadful, and, and we, were, we walked away very lucky. Mm-hmm. We, weren't, we weren't, the only thing that was damaged was a van right. and nothing else. 
Um, so later in the day, once we finally got all through all the logistics of tow trucks and police cars yes. and vans, and <clears throat> we ended up going to the uh, just the walk-in clinic just to make sure everyone was okay. Mm-hmm. I could see from the way the kids were behaving that they were fine, but we just wanted to have some sort of medical <laughs> assurance yes. that everyone was okay, and also that baby number five was okay. Right. I think that was my biggest concern is because I can't see or hold that baby yet, and yes. you just never know. So once we were in the, the medical clinic and the doctor could see my concerns, and he said, well, let me get the Doppler and we'll listen to the baby's heartbeat. That will make you feel better. And I said, yes, it would. Um, so we're all in the room together, and then we can hear the sounds of this baby's heartbeat coming over. Yes. And I'm looking at all of my kids, and their faces just turned. They were sad, and they were upset, and they were worried, and then they were grumpy, and they were hyper. And then all of a sudden, there was just this peace in that room as we were listening to this baby. And, and I knew, again, yes, God is with us. God is with us. He is here with us. He is taking care of us, um, not just in that moment, but all the moments of all our days. So. That is it. <laughs> Amen. What a lovely story. And, and, a, and a reminder for me, we also always did prayers when we got in the car. My mother did that with us, and I did it with my kids. Now they're a little older. They don't, you know, maybe a sign of the cross. But yeah. the prayers that we say, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have that, that uh, tradition as well uh, mm-hmm. of saying a little prayer. Um, and I hope you took them all to Dairy Queen or Tim Hortons <laughs> afterwards. We did have a special <laughs> okay, supper that good. night. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were all just so stressed out and just... And plus, we missed a birthday party. I Can you know, imagine that? That's really hard. Wow. So. Wow, that's, a, that's an important lesson. Thank you. Um, amazing how it's, sometimes we need to be shocked yep. into... into uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> good. Well, always good to talk to you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you, Jillian. Um, and I guess you have a new van. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right yeah. now we're driving around a flashy rental. <laughs> oh, so. still. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk to you in about a month. Okay, thank you. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Sultan Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, and baby number five. Hey, everybody. It's Marie Miller, and you're listening to the Sultan Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with Chris Wallace of Fox News. I want to ask you about Pope Francis' visit to the United States in September. This is going to be huge. Uh, everybody's I, I, going to... I, I got to tell you, in the United States, it is going to be huge. Yeah, and I think people don't really realize that at this point, but as we kind of get closer and closer to the date, it, it certainly will, uh, will be that way. Um, you know, he's going to go to Congress and address American Congress. This is the first time that a pope will be doing this. What might an address like that, the presence of the pope, do for America's elected officials and the way that they have this discourse? Well, I don't, as powerful and spiritual a force as this pope is, he's not going to bring civility to American politics. He just isn't. I think people will all be, will really pull their punches if they, even if they think what he's saying is dead wrong, that they will not be critical of the pope at all personally. They may express reservations with things he says. 
But I would hope that it might bring at least a, a time out uh, to all of the rancor and a, a greater civility to the discourse, that people would begin to, to, to talk in maybe a new kind of accepting way about some of these issues. I I'm, couldn't be more interested and excited to see what he has to say, both at Congress, to the, United, uh, the, to the American community, and at the United Nations General Assembly to the world, because there won't just be the ambassadors there, there'll be the world leaders there. I mean, you know, talk about the global capitalism and, and, and his grave concerns about that. Uh, the, the, the despoiling of our environment, uh, the questions of immigration and, and these poor unfortunate people, the question of Christianity under assault, literally under assault. Uh, there's so many important things I expect him to, peak, uh, to speak about, and I guess I just hope, and maybe it's too much to hope for, but I just hope that given his enormous moral authority, people will listen to him with an open mind. We're coming up to uh, an election in the United States, a presidential election. The campaigning is already in full swing. Uh, you know, there's so many different uh, voices out there and, and people vying for, uh, for power and position. Um, an interesting variable. In, in U.S. Uh, politics is always the Catholic vote, and sometimes it's a swing vote. It's a very important vote. Uh, you know, considering the era that the church finds itself in, with Pope Francis now, a new face of Catholicism, emphasis on some new issues, uh, how do you see the Catholic vote uh, being a variable in the upcoming election? I, I will tell you a, a brief story. When we got the exit polls in 2012, there was uh, one number that stuck out immediately and made me realize seven, five, six, seven o'clock at night that Obama was going to get reelected. And the question was, candidate qualities, cares about people like me. And then I believe the number was 81% said Obama cares about people like me. 17% said that Romney cares about people like me. If, if you don't think that this person you're thinking of electing for president cares about people like you. And, and that, I think, is going to be the huge challenge for Republicans. And this speaks directly to the Catholic vote, because I think that would be a huge issue with them, the sense of community, the sense of charity, the sense that we're all in this together, is that, that the Republicans are going to have to find a way to break the narrative that they are primarily concerned with business and with rich people. And boy, the one thing we don't want to do is raise taxes on the rich. They have to have a message that says to the working class, to the middle class, our policies are as good, in fact, better for you than what the Democrats are. That's going to be, it seems to me, the struggle. And I think listening to so many Republicans now sounding a kind of Obama-esque, now their policies, their prescriptions are different, but a different message of, you know, we're looking out for the little guy, a populist message. Um, and, and that, I think, is going to be the central debate, and I think that the Catholic voters, to the degree you can categorize them as a group, and of course you can, right. uh, that's going to be a central issue for them. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Chris Wallace of Fox News. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org connect5 and also on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, Guadalupe, The Miracle and the Message and a featured chat with singer-songwriter Matthias Michael. So stay tuned.
Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I think it's safe to say that if you're a Catholic somewhere in the Americas, you know about Our Lady of Guadalupe. You probably have a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. But do you know that the Guadalupe apparitions are probably the most significant event in the evangelization of the New World? Do you know that the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe is as scientifically intriguing and miraculous as the Shroud of Turin? Well, to tell us more, I spoke with David Nalieri, director of the new documentary, Guadalupe, The Miracle and the Message. David, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Maybe I should say welcome back to the Sultan Light Hour, because back in the day, I think you were probably on this show a few times, don't you think? Yeah, I think so, Paige. A lot of lot of great memories, of course, working with you and being part of the Salt and Light team. And uh, it's great to be on with you. Thanks for allowing me to come on and talk a little bit about our film. Absolutely, and it's great that you're still doing, you know, your passion making films. What for people? I think most of our listeners are familiar with Our Lady of Guadalupe. They know a little bit of the story, but maybe can you give us a, a the, the 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 one paragraph summary? What what is the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe? Yeah, well, in 1531, Pedro, uh, about 12 years after uh, Mexico or, or the Aztec Empire was conquered by the uh, Spanish colonists with Hernan Cortes, yeah. uh, in 1531, Our Lady of Guadalupe um, was an American apparition, appeared four times to uh, Juan Diego, who was an indigenous person. And uh, in those appearances, unlike a lot of the other modern-day appearances where there's certain chastisements or certain warnings, she came simply as a mother. Yeah. And she asked that a chapel be built in her name, and she left her image in a miracle on the tilma or apron of yeah. Juan Diego. And that tilma still resides today at a shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And within seven years after that apparition, there were nine million conversions to the faith and really beginning of the transformation of the continent into a Christian civilization. So it's really had a transformative effect in that period of history. And still today, the devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe is so widespread and has had such a huge impact across the continent. Absolutely, yeah. Now, you said it was 15, 1530, 1531 or so. So how do you go about making a documentary about something that happened so long ago? There's no photos. There's no, you can't interview St. Juan Diego. So what is the, the focus of this documentary? How are you yeah, telling that's the story? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, uh, Pedro. And that, that's something I think we really tried to tackle by making a real top-notch documentary. And, and so the, the, the twin challenges of not having any video footage of that time period or any photos, yeah. um, and also to try to allow people to understand the real mysteries behind this image, that there's no real scientific explanation for how this image of Guadalupe right. still exists five centuries later, or how it appeared on this canvas. It, uh-huh. just, it defies skeptics and defies scientists. Um, so what we did was we used reenactments. So we yeah. traveled to Mexico City, hired actors, recreated the series of four apparitions, and yeah. Juan Diego, his experience going to the bishop and trying to explain these visions he's having, and then all of a sudden discovering that when he's asked to go and pick these flowers and put them in his tilma, that it leaves this uh, incredible image of Our Lady of Guadalupe that still stuns people to this day with its uh, beautiful colors. So we have reenactments mm-hmm. that are very well done. And then what we did was we used high-level um, 3D animations and graphics right. to take you into the image so that you can see all the mysteries in it. Um, for example, there's no real explanation as to how the paint can stay on the agave fibers, yeah. which it's made out of. Um, typically, you would need a protective coat. That coat is missing. Secondly, um, you would need some kind of varnish to keep those colors on there, and that varnish is completely missing. And then the, our, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe is a codex. 
Uh-huh. So the ancient Aztecs used pictorial manuscripts to teach each other the faith. So it was how they passed on their culture. And that's actually exactly what Our Lady of Guadalupe is. There's a lot of symbols in, in the image that only an Aztec person can appreciate, uh-huh. and those symbols are what helped lead them to Christianity. And so by using the 3D animations, we're able to kind of uh, zoom in and bring you into all these um, different illuminations and, and really hopefully allow viewers to have a much better understanding of, of the whole Guadalupe apparition. Absolutely. And if I can add, because I've, I've seen it, it actually the the reenactments and the animations are quite stunning. It really it you really bring the whole image to life and the whole story to life. So you you've interviewed experts that are talking about the different aspects of the of the image on the tilma. Is that correct, David? Yeah, we have we we kind of talk to historians theologians to kind of get the historic significance, to understand um, what the significance of, of the apparition was uh, from a, even a theological understanding, and then also scientists. So we interviewed right. painting experts, um, physicists, um, people who have studied the eyes who are experts in digital image processing, who right. find images in both of the eyes that match up and correlate perfectly. So as, as, as almost as if there was the image that she saw when she was imprinted right. on that tilma, uh, remained in her eyes, and this defies also scientific explanation. So, um, yeah, so the documentary really tries to be cutting edge. It tries to be something you might see on National Geographic or Discovery, while at the same time also weaving in that, that deep spiritual element that hopefully uh, people can understand that um, uh, this is something beyond what you might ordinarily see in a scientific channel. There's also something there with the heart, something that had the potential to convert 9 million natives and transform the new the the new world absolutely and and continue to be a source for transforming culture absolutely because i imagine that your goal is not just to tell a, a fascinating story but you also want to add that extra dimension that is going to draw people into the faith if if this these apparitions brought people not to mary necessarily but but to christ then how do you do that in a documentary film that that it's also going to give people that extra that extra depth yeah exactly well i think i think for me the the goal is that um and people people come away and learn something new and it opens their eyes and for me myself delving into the story i had kind of a cursory understanding of our lady of guadalupe but uh getting more into it i was just uh, really fascinated to learn and understand that you know in 1531 we didn't have the United States of America or Canada or Argentina and these other nations. So the New World, what was the New World, yeah. really stretched from Argentina all the way up to the tip of Alaska. Yes. And that was the New World. So when she came and she appeared to those indigenous people, um, she really came as the mother of all of us. And that's something John Paul II taught, about, taught us all in his, um, in his um, Ecclesia in America document where he talked about our entire continent as being one, united in one, and, mm-hmm. and her being the mother of us all. So that was one thing that I really took to heart. And the second thing that really struck me, and we talked about it a bit in the film, is, is the whole idea of human sacrifice, which is part of the yes. Aztec culture. Yes. And the apparition comes in 1531. And then we, in the film, we, we talk about 13 years later in 1544 with this tremendous drought, one of the worst droughts in the history of Mexico. And at that time in the Aztec culture, if there was a drought, there would be a mass sacrifice of young children. And yes. this is how they thought they would appease the gods and the rains would come. And instead, in 1544, uh, just a little bit over a decade after the apparition, we see a mass pilgrimage 
to the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe instead of the sacrifice. And that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty startling. That, that tells you the culture has been transformed yes. in such a short period of time. And that should inspire all of us, since our work as Christians is to try to be the leaven in society and transform the culture. Yes. Now, the producers of the film are the Knights of Columbus. I think most people who know the Knights, a lot of our listeners are Knights, they know the Knights of Columbus, but they don't know that the Knights of Columbus are, are also producing films. So what's the connection between the Knights of Columbus and Our Lady of Guadalupe? Yeah, well, Supreme Knight Carl Anderson has a real passion for the media. He has a real passion for transforming culture and recognizes that, you know, media and film is a great way to, to bring important messages to the general public mm-hmm. and to also try to do it in as dynamic and engaging a way as possible. And he also um, kind of harkens back to my other answers, but he also recognizes the importance of Our Lady of Guadalupe as a source of unity. So we have a real growing Hispanic population in the United States and other regions, mm-hmm. and this is a way that we can learn from, from their history and understand that it's also part of, of our legacy. It's also part of our faith, uh, faith journey. Um, so when I, the idea of Our Lady of Guadalupe as being the mother of us all uh, for the Knights of Columbus, it's an international organization. We really work to try to spread devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, whether it be in the Philippines, where she's the patron saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Poland, even, we see a growing devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and the Knights of Columbus has, has, is starting to really grow in Poland, where we entered into in the last recent years. And then, of course, throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Um, and in our documentary, we actually interviewed Cardinal Lacroix, Yes. Uh, Quebec City, who yes. shared his own passion and devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and interviewed Honorable Graydon Nicholas, who was a former lieutenant governor of New Brunswick, who's got a tremendous devotion to Guadalupe and, and travels across Canada spreading devotion. So we really tried to show that this is something uh, universal, something that's applicable to all, and it really fits into the mission of the Knights. Yeah. Now, also in the film, and I believe he's also one of the producers, you interviewed uh, Monsignor Chavez, who is the postulator for the cause of canonization for... Uh, St. Juan Diego, but he's also, can I say that he's the prime expert on the image? Absolutely. I don't think there's anyone in this world who, who knows more than, tell, than, than Monsignor Chavez, and he's a very impressive us. guy. We, when we interviewed him, Pedro, down in at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City, the interview was over three hours long, and yes. it felt as if he didn't stop to take a breath. There's so much knowledge, and, and one thing to mention to viewers, people who really want to learn more about Guadalupe on the DVD, if they did purchase it, and it's available now at GuadalupeTheFilm.com. We have an extended interview with Monsignor Chavez, where yes. he talks a lot more about the different intricacies of the image and of the Guadalupe legacy. Absolutely. He's, he's a phenomenal... I've heard him speak probably for three hours, too, on the, on the, on the image, and it is quite fascinating. He's a fascinating man so the film is done it's available as you said on dvd people can get it at that website uh guadalupe film guadalupe but it's also available uh, on amazon i know and other places um but the film will also be airing on television correct in the united states yes we're very happy to have been selected part of the visions and value series that's uh that airs uh religious and faith-based programming on abc uh, uh-huh. network in the united states so we're really happy that um starting in earlier th- in October, stretching until December the 10th, um, ABC affiliates will be choosing at different times uh, to air the documentary. So anyone listening now who wants to know if their ABC affiliate um, has already or will air the documentary, they can go to GuadalupeTheFilm.com. We have a tab for broadcast, and you mm-hmm. can kind of a drop-down menu where you choose your state, and you can see your affiliate and see uh, if they're going to air at what time. And um, we're hoping to get about 150 of the 240-some-odd ABC affiliates to air it, um, and then when that 
ends around December 10th, we'll, we'll be announcing a ser- series of other airings on EWTN, Salt and Light, uh, Catholic yes. TV, and other, and other Catholic TV networks. So Absolutely. hopefully there's a lot of different ways viewers can engage with this film. And, and as you mentioned, it is already for sale. The DVD's been released uh, simultaneously. Yes. And uh, that, that's all, all the information is there on GuadalupeTheFilm.com. Absolutely. So just in time for the, our Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, December 12th. I know maybe some parishes want to have the DVD ready and do little showings in their parishes. David, thank you for doing this. It's a beautiful film. Uh, you, well, you know this. I've told you this. It, it's very well done. I, I'm very thank proud you. of you. <laughs> thank you very much, Pedro. And thank it. you for sharing, sharing a little bit of, of, about it with us today. Awesome. Thank you, Pedro, and I appreciate the time. David Nalieri is the director of the film Guadalupe, The Miracle and the Message, produced by the Knights of Columbus. The film will be airing throughout this month on ABC Affiliates all over the United States and on Salt and Light TV on December 12th. The DVD is also available in English and in Spanish. Learn more at GuadalupeTheFilm.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Matthias Michael, with I Will Never Let Go from his new album, Amplified. I will never know the depths of your love And I will never understand how you see me And even when I lose my way You pick me up When I fall down You never leave me You're always with me
That was Matthias Michael with I Will Never Let Go from his new album, Amplified. Now, we first learned about Matthias Michael a few years ago because he was the winner of the very first NCYC's Top Talent contest. Now, he's probably tired of being introduced that way, and I'm sorry. Um, Winning that competition meant that Matthias got to record his first album, I believe. And that's when he first began considering pursuing music as a career. And we're glad he did. Earlier this year, Matthias released his first single, Song of Grace, um, that you've heard on this program and on Salt and Light Radio. And immediately he set out to work on his next album. That album is the one that we've been listening to, Amplified. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Matthias Michael. Matthias, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, hello. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's good to be back. Yes. So you've been busy this year. Um, what? I, I, I guess this is two separate questions, but kind of what changed for you this year? Um, maybe that's the first question. What changed for you this year that kind of set you on the, on this path that you're on right now? Well, um, I started working with a um, a new, brand new grassroots record company that um, was kind of started up by a few friends of mine. Uh-huh. Um, and we really kind of, uh, tried to take all the, the musical ideas that I've kind of gathered since the last album and really make them come to life. And we've included people from all over, um, actually the Chicago area musicians to, to kind of come together and play on this album. So it was a real big collaboration, which is really neat. I was able to work, um, with fellow musicians, whereas my first album, I was kind of doing a lot of things um, on my own or just with the producer. Right. This time I was able to work with other people, which is really, really nice. So, uh, so okay, so again, I have like three questions. But so you wrote Song of Grace thinking that it was going to be part of this album or was that a, a single, purely a single that you wrote? Well, I, yeah, I, I kind of had an idea that there'd be an album in the future. I just didn't quite know how I was going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where Rekindle Records came into play when like right. I said a couple friends of mine, you know, offered to, to volunteer some time to start this new ministry and to get the ball rolling on that. Song of Grace is kind of the first taste of all that new music. It was kind of um, the first taste of, of a new sound for me, of a new kind of a new beginning right. uh, of sorts. So. So it's definitely a precursor. I knew that there was an album coming. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know when yet. <laughs> right. No, of course. So when you, so I, either when you're working on Song of Grace or afterwards when you're actually now specifically working, you know you're going to uh, make a new album. Are you, because it sounds like you're also doing, you're also thinking like a producer and not just a, a, a songwriter. You are working with a producer, but how does that process, uh, how is that process for you in terms of, um, kind of writing and thinking about doing an album as a whole? Right. It it was a big change for me um, because, uh, you know, as a songwriter, I mean, I've been writing songs ever since I was little. Yeah. And I never really ran them through anybody. I mean, it was just kind of something I did for fun. And yes. That, now that I have somebody to kind of present those songs to and they can give me some real feedback yeah. and kind of perfect them and make them the most you know effective songs they can be and Make make them songs that will really connect with people. You know, it's always just good to have more hands in the pot when yeah. it comes to creating a song. Uh huh. And the the writing process for you. You said you've been writing songs since you were little. Do you, has that changed at all? Um, Not too much, to be honest. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's kind of how I learned to pray. Um, uh-huh. It's always kind of been my unique way to pray. And every so often, I'll, I'll, I'll write a prayer or a song, and I'll think, "Wow." 
I think somebody else could really connect to that. I think somebody else could really relate to that. And that that's usually the beginning of a new song for me. Okay, good. I'm glad that you mentioned prayer because I was going to ask you, is, is the writing process uh, a prayerful? Because you're not writing songs that I think people would listen and, th- and think, oh, that's a Christian song or that's a praise and worship song. Right. Um, but they are in, and you get kind of glimpses of of that prayerfulness or that so so you pray yourself through writing a song do you sit down and say i'm going to write a song and so you pray or or do you, <laughs> how do you do that sometimes they just come they they like you said in the songs they don't necessarily sound like praise and worship songs but they're about in ways real life experiences i've had and you know how my faith is kind of played a role in that right and how my relationship with god has played a role in those experiences be them good experiences or bad experiences right and, you know when i experience like a spiritual high or a spiritual low my first instinct is to kind of go and write about it and that's right. that's kind of um that's kind of what the whole amplified album is it's kind uh-huh. of the the culmination of all those highs and lows um in the forms of songs um and prayers at the same uh-huh. time all right. Okay. And and so you, it's amplified. Is this f- the is is the first song on the album? Is the first song we heard at the top of the program today? Um, it, does that word amplified? Does that kind of summarize not just what the album is about, but kind of where you are in your life spiritually? Totally. Totally. I'm more and more. Um, the more I travel, I, I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to travel to many different parts of the country and even yeah. internationally sometimes. And it's been amazing to see the difference in 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 the in the voice the difference yeah. um in the strength when people are when people decide to come together and worship instead of kind of staying in their own little world yeah you know um being like i said being able to travel into all these different areas being able to see the church at work together has been a beautiful thing and amplify kind of personifies that yeah, yeah, no, and you can hear it. Um, do you, do you, it's kind of a weird question to ask people, how do you hope people are going to use your album? I mean, obviously you want them to listen to it, but it's kind of album that I think people, you can pop in the car and listen to it in right. the car. Um, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, again, I tell people it's it's an album, you know, that I want the listener to relate to. Yeah. And to, to help them do that even more, um, actually, Rekindle uh, Records and I have been working on uh, a 49-day devotional that kind of outlines the album. It goes hand in hand with the album. It complements it. Yeah. And it allows people to kind of dive into those lyrics a little deeper um, and really uh, milk every bit of the message they can. Okay, that's good. I'm, and I'm, again, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned it because that goes right back to what you were saying about prayer. So uh, can you give us a little example of how the devotional works? So is it 40, it's a, something about one of the songs every day? How, sure, how does yeah. that work? So what we did is we broke each song down into uh, seven parts and, that's for each song we spend a week, so it goes day by day. Uh-huh. Um, and for every part of the song, um, we have a scripture that goes with it, and we have a personal reflection and a prayer. So day by day, you can kind of we're, we kind of broke down um, the lyrics of the songs and related it back to a scripture message, uh-huh. and we give some words of encouragement, and even some of the days have a little personal story from me. So like I said, it, it really allows the listener to kind of not just superficially listen to the album, but to really dive in and get the most out of all the songs that we offer. Yeah, that's very cool, actually. It's a great idea. Um, so uh, uh, it seems to me, I, may, I might be wrong, but it seems to me that you're kind of moving, and you have been this year, kind of pursuing doing ministry full-time um, 
this is part of that ministry. You're not just doing music, but you want to help people get closer to God through your music and through your ministry. Right, right. And that was, from the get-go, that was that was my number one priority. That was my number one goal. And, you know, God God gives us with, uh, with different talents, and for me, that was music. Um, and yeah. I always knew I wanted to, to give back to Him in that way. So through the book and through the music has been a really good opportunity for me to do that. Okay, that's very cool. I'm actually, I didn't know about the 49-day devotion. I like that, seven times seven. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to, to my personal copy of the 49-day yeah, devotional. It'll be out hopefully, um, hopefully by the National Catholic East Conference, which is... Uh, it's coming up, isn't it? In the yeah. middle of this month, that we're yeah, trying to get it out. It's coming up. Good, good. So just in time for Christmas too. There you go. Some some Christmas gift ideas for people. Get the album <laughs> and the devotional. Um, Matthias, thank you very much. This is very cool. I love the music. Like I said, I I actually have it in my car listening to it. So, um, awesome. uh, and very much looking forward to uh, more things coming from you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Deacon. You can learn more about Matthias Michael by his music, book him for an event, or find out where he'll be performing next at his website, mmichaelmusic.com. Here now is Matthias Michael with Live Out Loud from this new album, Amplified. listening to Matthias Michael with Live Out Loud from his new album, Amplified. And that will take us to the end of the program. Thank you for your financial support. What we do takes money, and so we're so grateful for your support. While you're thinking about that, please consider becoming a Salt and Light monthly donor through our Guardians program. That guarantees us predictable income, which is so important in our planning for next year. You can find out more at saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for considering that when you're making your charitable contributions. And thank you for being with us this hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.